Welcome to the epicenter of sports and entertainment. This, This is the Root Dog Show. Now, here's your host, Rudy Reyes. And welcome to the Root Dog Show. This is Rudy Reyes. Good afternoon, everybody. You know, I'd like to think that you don't see any type of situations in the NCAA that would require us to look at them and say, well, when we think of the NCAA, we think of roses that are smelly. Well, in a good way, don't, don't get me wrong. Nobody asked for a finger pull, but still, let's keep this in perspective. The NCAA um, has essentially handed out time and time again. We've seen this with multiple places, multiple schools, athletic departments, predominantly involving college sports. Why? Because they're, they're, they're very coveted. Those spots are not for the faint-hearted. More importantly, it's as if we're seriously casual about it. Maybe the NCAA is casual about this. But more importantly, I mean, to let, let's be honest here. When we look at the amount of collections of the most violations, doesn't exactly ring any bells. It doesn't make you want to store them in a trophy case and show them off. Oh, look, we've received this violation or we have that violation. This one was attributed to just multiple people involved in a big scandal. I mean, we covet these so well. No, no, not going to happen. This is Rudy Reyes on the Rude Dog Show on today's California, today's Canada. I'm live on Twitter. Uh, throw me a follow at Rude Dog Reyes on Twitter. Check out the live show. Certainly a good one to be had for about 30 minutes here or so. Uh, and for those listeners, please feel free to comment. Anything at all whatsoever. Oh, good good evening, Javon. Appreciate the love. Thanks for checking in. Uh, Mohammed with a blank. All right. Well, I guess we'll keep it that way. <laughs> There's a blank. You know, if if I was to speak to an athletic department within in any NCAA school and want to discuss infractions with them. Hi, Maria. Thank you very much for tuning in. I'm doing well. Uh, Makbul Ahmad, uh, if that is your name, if I pronounce it correctly, great, William Sam. So thank you so much. I appreciate the love. Comment on this. This is uh, something you guys need to weigh in on because I'm really interested in what your thoughts are about this. When the NCAA hands out infractions, it's not because they used the women's restroom mistakenly thought it was the men's. No, no, no. We're talking serious violations that stem back from when the NCAA was formed. Now, with that being said, we can discuss how many national championships, say Florida, USC, or even Georgia, for that matter, if you really want to have that conversation. And we do, because we're here and we're live on the Rudolph Show, live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, uh, you name it, we're live, we're connected to it. Um, there's skeletons in closets here. This isn't anything to shake a finger at or become desensitized and put on blinders to think that something like this is going to go away because it's not. It's not. None of this is going to go away anytime soon. More importantly, it's just going to continue. Yes, there are people uh, within these wonderful NCAA divisions and schools with wonderful talent, and I'm sure these kids were great and you know, some did attend, some did not attend. We're going to dive into that here momentarily. But I wanted to pull this up here from the realms of the 1980s uh, against Southwestern, um, uh, excuse me, Southern Methodist University, make sure I get that right. Uh, there were five major NCAA violations uh, and, and for a, no, a new, 
numerous amount of them in seven, averaging major infractions every other year. I guess that's how they accumulated them back in the 80s, 70s and 80s. Those have to do with player payments, slush funds, being able to house their parents, entertain their parents, take care of medical bills. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. The NCAA has investigated, um, in this instance with SMU explicitly, uh, $61,000 was made available to a player. Okay, forget the dollar amount. The fact alone that that's a huge violation. You just don't open a blank check and say, here you go, player. Here's $61,000. Whatever you want, go ahead and get it. And the sad part about this is, is that it was almost a death penalty to some of these schools. Appreciate it, Javon. Appreciate the love from the Bay. I'm here in Fresno, California. Thanks for uh, chiming in. I appreciate it. Give me your thoughts about this NCAA scandal uh, going on in Tennessee right now. We're going to jump right into that as soon as I kind of give you guys some perspective in regards to what the NCAA violations actually look like. Appreciate the California love, Javon. Uh, you know, when, when, when we look at the SMU 87 season, it was canceled. I mean, the whole season was just canceled. Forget giving up scholarships. Forget, you know, trying to pay the money back. Um, just just forget about it. Or if you're Italian, forget about it. Well, this isn't a, a Gestapo situation. This is teams who violated NCAA rules. Yeah, okay, so some rules are made to be broken. Or are they? Or should they be? I think the NCAA certainly has came down on multiple occasions, including Auburn, with seven violations of their own. And of course, boosters paying performance uh, out of players and expecting them to perform to their standards based on the dollar amount that they pay. That's a problem. That shouldn't be swept under the rug. We shouldn't be desensitized to that. We shouldn't turn a blind eye and all of a sudden, well, shame on them and we'll forget about it just like we do a lot of different things in sports because winning cures all ails. It shouldn't. We should never have a short memory in regards to the things that affect not only the fabric of football, but the fabric of sports in general. And, and in addition to that, the violations that seem to occur on a regular basis by some of these schools that can't seem to get out of their own way. That's the problem. I'm huge for following protocol. I follow my own protocol. I produce my own show. That's a protocol. That's something I do, explicitly do. But these schools seem to want to bend the rules and or they don't apply to them or those rules don't apply to them. When we look at bonuses for forced fumbles, touchdowns, you could probably think a bounty gate for the New Orleans Saints. They were penalized heavily. No draft picks fines, things of that nature were handed down to them. Pat Dye was the head coach of, of Auburn at that time. And more importantly, um, he was involved in helping payers secure illegal loans. Why? Why would you even get involved in that? If a student himself or herself cannot afford a loan through a bank, why would you forge anything? Why would you feel the need to put yourself on the line? in order to accommodate a player. Hey, look, we tried everything we can. We're sorry. Uh, check the next year of eligibility. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't see anything wrong with it. I don't think there's any reason whatsoever why we can't come down hard on coaches like 
cat die, as an example. When we look at Oklahoma, five violations, uh, multiple times within the program, Rhett Bomar, could have been the Bomar scandal. I don't know. But the quarterback received money with weekly paychecks for about seven grand, give or take. And more importantly, it was a job that he never did. And with that, OU lost four scholarships. That's big. That's not huge, but it's big. It's big for the NCAA fabric. Yeah, those, those allegations, Maria, are absolutely just indescribable. And it's irreprehensible. I just cannot believe that. And of course, a huge investigation will ensue. And, you know, we're going to have a conversation in regards to the outcome, what that looks like. Uh, we're going to jump into that here in just a moment. But I wanted to give a little bit more perspective on this. So some of the dirtiest coaches includes Lou Holtz. And I, I hate to say that because I actually like Lou Holtz. But the teams that he coached in the NCAA were probably some of the hugest major violators in regards to program violations, player violations, um, some of the dirtiest conferences out there, Big Big 12, SEC, Pac-10, at the time Pac-10, now Pac-12. Actually, it could go back to Pac-10 now that USC and UCLA uh, are, are departing and leaving for the Big 10. Or now the, probably the Big 14, maybe the bigger 14, I don't know. Um, ACC as well. Uh, I mean, they would go on to lose about 55 scholarships, which is absolutely the kiss of, it's like the anti-chef's kiss. It's a kiss of death. When you get the chef's kiss, that's a good thing. Kiss of death, not a good thing. So let's go to the scandal we're talking about here. It's, it's hot to trot. People are all over this, like white on rice. And more importantly, it alleges that there are 18 violations and almost $60,000 worth of cash and or gifts. Let's, let's put the and or in there because we don't know yet. And it was by Coach Pruitt, his wife, who's a part of the NCAA hierarchy, recruiting staff, and at least a booster was involved in this situation. Hola, como esta Rodolfo Flores from Central Mexico? I appreciate you tuning in, my friend. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Shout out to Mexico. And as if the NCAA credited Tennessee for the violations. In other words, they praised them for the fact that they had given up all the information. They voluntarily had given in to the investigative process to say, well, we'll commend you, even though we're going to give you the death penalty in regards to these violations. And the NCAA states that Pruitt staff gave players cash and or gifts or a combination of the two throughout his tenure while at the Tennessee Volunteers from 2018 to 2021. That's a long time. That's a long time. And that's a lot of money. For, forget the violations for a second. That's just a lot of money. A lot of money to give to the parents. A lot of money to give the kids. Just a lot of money in general. That in itself is a huge problem, a huge issue. I don't see that going away either anytime soon. And the saddest part about that is, is that this could be ongoing underneath the noses of other athletic departments throughout. It's the saddest part of all. I don't see it stopping anytime soon, but they committed four level, uh, excuse me, four level uh, infractions 
at the highest level, which is level one, you have low level stuff, level four, level three, level two, level one. Jeremy and Casey Pruitt, violators number one. They led the charge in this entire problem. This entire investigation ensued because they misappropriated money, paid players, entertained players and their families, entertained their families, paid medical bills for one mother of a, a future player that actually didn't play at all. He didn't play it down because it was part of the recruitment process. That's brutal. Derek Ansley, Shelton. Now beat this. Shelton Felton. Talk about no rhyme, no reason. Brian Niedermeyer. How's that for a, a baloney name? Recruiting staff, Drew Hughes, Bethany Gunn, Chantrice Boone. No relation to Daniel Boone, hopefully. There are key players that meet, that met with uh, Pruitt's football recruiting scandal. You can go find your photos if you'd like. Shout out. Uh, thank you, Oksana Dia from San Francisco. Lots of California love today. Love it. And yes, Maria, level four infraction, which is, uh, uh, which is not bad, but level one infractions are even worse. The worst of the worst of the worst. None of these individuals aforementioned work for Tennessee anymore. And the saddest part about that is, is that when you look at the tenure while they were there, there's a lot of damage ensued, a lot of damage, a lot of people involved in the process. And they either left or uh, their, their own intention on leaving due to the investigation in November of 2020. Of course, we all know what was rampant there, and it was the Tennessee volunteers and their athletic department going through this tumultuous COVID period, but violating that as well. And again, that's, that's another infraction. That's another violation. I mean, this is, this is filled with nothing but brick walls. You cannot poke holes in this. This is completely and, and irreprehensibly done by the volunteers, by the organization, by the NCAA school, by the athletic department, coaches, boosters. And the sad part is, is that all these other schools that have ever had anything to do with violations just like this know exactly what's going on here. They, they, can, they can attest to this. Do they want to have a conversation? Probably not. I wouldn't want to have a conversation about how I was involved in an NCAA level one infraction. No. I don't think so. And the sad part is the NCAA felt the need to praise them for their handling. And I quote, the actions taken by the institution during the investigation should be standard for any institutional inquiry with, into uh, potential violations, end quote. What? Like that even matters. What difference does that make? Does, is that going to level the playing field literally and figuratively? Probably not. I wouldn't want to be part of that conversation. I wouldn't even want that on my resume. Oh, why are you looking for a job, sir? Oh, I see. You were committed of, of level one NCAA violations. Hmm. Uh, don't call us, we'll call you. When you look at the, the reflection of the document by Chancellor Donde Plowman in January of last year, two assistant coaches, seven staff members announced that they had revealed evidence of sweeping and serious NCAA violations under Pruitt's watch, the head coach of the Volunteers. 
He knew exactly what was going on. He provided the segue as to what that actually looked like. Yep, lots of people, lots of different places at the same exact time. Imagine that. Tennessee could avoid the, the, the hammer in this, to be quite honest with you. I don't think that when you're in the middle of a crime such as this and committed in such a under-your-nose fashion, there's no reprieve for this. None. You have no ability to go back and say, well, I want to make amends. No, it's too late. It's too late. I'm all for forgiveness, granted, but this is a sports plateau that we're talking about. This is one of the most storied universities in all of the NCAA. I don't care what you're talking about. Predominantly, it's going to be football, baseball, softball, chess. I don't know. I think that Tennessee is now recouping whatever losses are associated with this scandal. And I don't think for one minute that anybody has let this go. I wouldn't let it go. I would constantly remind him. But then again, when he wakes up in the morning or these individuals that were involved in the NCAA violations and those rules broken are the ones that are facing this and potential consequences by themselves without any interference from the outside world. The sad part is, is that when you look at the, 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 the documentation, hi, Javon. I, I just believe that violation one occurred from late July to mid-November of 2020. There were six recruits that made unofficial visits, accepted cash and or gifts during the uh, recruiting dead periods. Is there a certain time uh, of the year and month where these types of visits aren't, aren't done. They're part of the dead period. And of course, right in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. None of the recruits that were paid in cash and or gifts enrolled at Tennessee. They played elsewhere. And of course, for the sake of the argument, you're not going to see players named in this. Now, should, the, should they know better? Some would argue that when you look at these guys, these young men, Granted, this is all football-related, which it appears that it is. Should be named and also held accountable for their role in this because they're the parties that were being paid. They should be named in all of these documents. They could very well be. There could, there could be some type of modification in regards to this. But Pruitt, Ansley, Felton, Niedermeyer... Uh, a recruiter's gun and an unnamed student arranged, assisted, excuse me, arranged and or provided 12000 over $12,000 in hotel stays, meals, entertainment, transportation, and team apparel. So they, they quadruple, sextuple dipped, if that's even a word. If it's not, I probably just coined it. You're double dipping upon double dipping. You're taking a single chip and you're dipping it five to six times. You may as well be eating your fingers at that point. Casey Pruitt arranged for a real estate agent to meet with some of the recruits' families for obvious reasons. If they're going to enroll, they're leaving whatever town they came from in order to move over somewhere in Tennessee, maybe Knoxville, to be a part of 
the Tennessee Volunteers football team or athletic department in some athletic way. We don't know. Violation two, Jeremy Pruitt, Gun Boone, and Unnamed Booster, um, or excuse me, Casey Pruitt himself provided $12,500 in car payments at 25 payments of $500 each and a $3,000 rent payment to a player and his mother from September 2018 to March 2021. Now, mind you, this is $60,000. Again, let's keep the number here. $60,000. They take in not even a fifth of that money for almost four years. That's a long time. The prospect, in fact, was recruited and played for the volunteers. So that's one example, which I, I believe should carry even a higher violation because it was enough to entice him to want to sign. I think that's where I, I draw the line. And that would be immediate. Um, that'd be like the, the highest. If there's level one, there's got to be a level zero. I would hold that player accountable and make them pay restitution on top of it all. Represent about 23260 bucks of inducements given to the player by Jeremy and Casey Pruitt, his wife, Feld, Niedermeyer, and Gunn. Almost sounds like a law department, but they're on the other side of the law, so that doesn't, that doesn't apply to them in this instance. So Casey Pruitt worked in the Florida State's NCAA compliance office. This is where the rubber meets the road because, again, as I stated earlier, she worked within the NCAA. But working in a compliance office means that she knows how to break the rules. It implies that she knows all too well. Four years is a long time, Maria, as you well stated. But when you look at the situation where Casey Pruitt knew how to break the laws, she should face probably the highest penalty outside of her own husband in this exact instance because of her ability to know how to break the law and to get into the bylines of what that law actually is. Now, I'm not a lawyer. I don't pretend to be a lawyer. This is a Rudolph show on Today's California. You can find it on todayscalifornia.com. Go to Coachella Valley. I'm live on Twitter, YouTube. This show will be put on therudogshow.com. There will be an audio version as well on my RSSS feed on therudogshow.com. So make sure you check that out. This is a great show. So when I look at the violations between the husband and Casey Pruitt, I think to myself, she informed him, gave him almost insider trading information, if this was a stock market, allowing him to know how to bend the rules without being noted right off the bat. It took a while, a long while. So looking at Troy University's compliance office, there was another defensive coordinator uh, who started verifying players' eligibility uh, and ensuring that they followed the NCAA rules. But little did they know, they were following some rules, but clearly and obviously not all of them, where they were caught and basically red-handed, in fact. So Gunn and Hughes uh, provided almost $2,000 to recruit uh and his family from November 18th to December 2019 
hotel stays, game day parking, team apparel, uh, enrolled in Tennessee and played for the volunteers. The fifth violation, Niedermeyer and Gunn arranged for almost $2,500 to recruit his family, including more hotels, more stays. This is just an ongoing. I mean, there are so many violations here. And, and they're, they're detailed within their own right. Each violation will carry a huge penalty, a kiss of death penalty to the volunteers moving forward. They could very well end up scrapping the entire season. That I don't know. Nor am I going to speculate on that. But if I was going to, and I was a speculator, I would rip that system apart and change everything possible within the volunteers' athletic structure. And the NCAA clearly is going to lay down the law and throw the book at everybody involved. Gun arranged in violation six and seven, $1,755 to two recruits and their families, including hotel stays, game day parking, meals, and enrolled, and in turn played for the volunteers. And then when you look at the eighth violation, I mean, there's, there's 17 violations here. These all carry serious penalties, each one of these violations. I don't know what they look like. I don't know what the NCAA is going to do. But the whole world's going to know a lot sooner than later when it comes to what penalties the Tennessee Volunteers are going to face moving forward. So I'm not going to guarantee, and nor would I, even in, in testimony, there's, there's nothing for them. And I'm talking about all the these individuals who were involved, the Pruitts, Niedermeyer, Gunn, the unnamed uh, student who assisted them in all of this. I don't know where it stands, but I do know this. The NCAA needs to come down hard on it, and I believe it will. They are, it, this is going to be swift, it's going to be easy, and it's going to be done probably a lot sooner than later. It's just sad that when you look at an NCAA team, FBS, FCS, doesn't matter. You have to fall within the guidelines of what you look for in regards to how do you assess each one of these violations. Does one carry a higher penalty than the other? Because they're on the hierarchy, one through four. Does violation five carry a number one? Does violation six, seven carry a number one? Does eight carry a number one? Uh, I believe that the ones where the student did not end up you know, playing for the volunteers, nor did he sign up for the volunteers to be uh, a Tennessee Vol, those should actually be equal penalties. Whether they play it or not, it's, it shouldn't make any difference whatsoever. This is Rudy Reyes on the Rude Dog Show. Thank you for all the California love. Maria, Oksana, Rodolfo, Jovan, Mr. William, Magpul, if I said it right, I appreciate everybody on here. Go to therudogshow.com. Check out all my past shows. I got almost, I have almost nine years worth of broadcast media from covering the Super Bowl to on-air appearances to podcasts. And of course, my, my new endeavor, which you guys would, should probably go back and check this out. Uh, but in case you missed it, it'll be posted. And it is on therudogshow.com along with this show will also be on the Rude Dog show.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate it. Have a wonderful weekend. I will see you guys Monday night, 6 p.m. 
I'll be live here on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, you name it, I'm on it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Talk to you guys soon.